The Culture Guy Podcast. With your host, Christian, The Culture Guy. And with a small town mayor from the southern U.S., Let me take you on a trip down south. Those of you who know where I am probably remember that I recently moved to Atlanta in Georgia, big city in the southeastern United States. However, the south overall isn't only big cities, it's mainly rural areas. And let me take you to a small place just outside of Atlanta called Clarkston. And those of you who watch the Netflix show Queer Eye may remember that they did a little makeover on Queer Eye for the mayor of Clarkson, gentleman, a young gentleman by the name of Ted Terry, and I had a chance to speak with him recently, because I got intrigued after watching that Netflix episode when they talked about the most diverse square mile of the entire country. What in the world makes Clarkson a small town just outside of Atlanta, not too far from Stone Mountain, where... The infamous Ku Klux Klan re-emerged in the early 20th century. How does an area that is not necessarily known for inclusiveness become the most diverse square mile in all of the U.S.? Well, uh, mostly because of refugee resettlement programs. The city of Clarkson has received more than 40,000 refugees in the past quarter century, mainly from countries like Vietnam or Syria or... Burma and Somalia and and many other regions of the world where people unfortunately leave because of the dangers and the the difficult lives there. And the city of Clarkson has become one of the places in the United States where these refugees start over. And Tatera has been the mayor of this place. And I had a chance to talk to him recently. And I think it is amazing if you hear his story. Welcome to Terry, Mayor of Clarkston, Georgia. How are you, Terry? Very good, very good. Welcome to Clarkston. Thank you. And this is actually my second time being here. Um, I've been driving through here before, and I heard about the city of Clarkston because I watch television like a lot of other people. Um, If you're a subscriber to Netflix, you may have come across a show called Queer Eye, and they shot an episode where Ted Terry was getting a little bit of a makeover by the queer That's guys. True. And that That's kind true. of puts you on the map a little more than you were already on the map, because Clarkson is also known as the quote-unquote most diverse square mile in all of the United States. So tell us a little bit about that. Is that true? Is Clarkson the most diverse square mile in the U.S.? Well, you know, we, we like to say that we're known as the most ethnically diverse square mile in America. Um, although, you know, you can go to parts of, uh, you know, New York City, probably Chicago, probably L.A., probably parts of uh, Atlanta, and find, you know, equally as diverse areas. Um, I think the hallmark of our city is that the diversity actually doesn't necessarily come from just sort of normal migration or immigration. It comes from uh, refugee resettlement. And so the countries, the nationalities that are represented in this city um, are really, um, uh, you know, a walk down, uh, you know, the lane of world history the last 35 years. You can really chart the course of human and world events over the last 35 years through people who have come 
to Clarkston to start their lives over, going all the way back to the Vietnam War, um, where the first big influx of refugees were resettled to um, the United States in 1980, 1981. Um, uh, hundreds of thousands of people who fled um, Vietnam after um, the, uh, the Vietnam War. And then just you know, sort of follow conflicts in East Africa, Ethiopia, um, Somalia, Eritrea, um, through the mid-90s, the, the breakup of Yugoslavia mm -hmm. um, and people from Serbia and Bosnia um, and Albania. Um, and then, you know, more recently uh, with Iraqi, Afghani, um, people from uh, the Congo, uh, Bhutan, Burma, and then most recently from Syria. Wow. So you have a wide mix of nationalities who not didn't always come to Clarkson voluntarily because Clarkson was just a destination for them to be resettled as refugees. And as we speak about refugees, we are sitting here, and you may hear in the background some street noise and birds chirping. We're sitting here outside in front of the food truck or the coffee truck there, say of Refuge Coffee in Clarkson, a nonprofit organization here in the city that is employing refugees and putting them through a 12-month training program. Um, what a great idea, by the way. So um, thanks, Ted, for, for suggesting this as a meeting spot because this is yeah. part of a kind of showcasing what, what this community is about. How has Clarkson dealt with that influx? How have you made that workable? It's a small community, is it not? Yeah, Clarkson's 1.4 square miles. And so when I say with the most ethnically diverse square mile, it's because the city is you know about a square mile. Um, and um, you know, Clarkson was welcoming long before I got here. Um, I think that there is a, you know an, an essence here. Maybe it's Southern hospitality. Maybe it's just the people who have um, chosen to move here over the last 35 years who want to be around a more multi-ethnic, multi-national, um, you know, multi-religious, you know, um, neighborhood and community. Mm -hmm. And I think that the people who have a heart for um, refugees and asylum seekers um, have been attracted here over the years. It's one of the reasons why I moved here uh, almost 10 years ago. Uh, and then eventually, you know, got involved in politics and community affairs here, and then eventually ran for mayor because I wanted to, you know, help continue sort of the direction of creating a more welcoming and uh, compassionate and inclusive community. Um, but I, I have to say that, you know, it, it wasn't me. Uh, it's people like, you know, uh, Kitty, who's the owner here of Refuge Coffee Truck, um, which you know, took an old, uh, an old 1950s gas station. Uh, that was a used car lot for 30 years and turned it really into our de facto town square. And so, you know, as you, you know, hear people walk by um, or coming to get coffee or having their meetings here or you know, having uh, podcasters come in. Uh, <laughs> or CNN, it, there's a, or, there's or a C camera crew of CNN is here. Today. CNN comes by every once in a while because they're based in Atlanta, so they're their usual suspects. Um, but, but, you know, you can really, you know, see the people um, uh, who um, who care about Clarkston? Who have made it what it is? And so when I ran for mayor, it, you know, it became this this sort of this alignment between the political leadership and what the community already was about, mm -hmm. um, which I think has been very powerful these last six years because I think we really, you know, you know, created synergy in where we actually wanted to go. Now, the South or the Southeast of the United States is not necessarily known to be ethnically that diverse and religiously diverse. We're still on the fringes of the Bible Belt, if you will. So how, has everybody been welcome to that kind of influx or is, just, is it just Clarkson because Clarkson is unique in that way? 
Well, I think you'll find, I mean, there is a, a Clarkston-type city in every state in America um, because refugees are resettled in all but one U.S. state, um, usually in the capital city. And so Atlanta, just you know, being one of the first cities um, after um, Brown B. Board of Education to really begin to actually integrate um, and to open up the school system and to embrace sort of this future reality of a, you know, of a um, non-segregated, you know, South, mm -hmm. Atlanta just became, you know, a place where everyone would come. And so, yeah, the South, you know, by and large is still segregated um, right. amongst white and black lines. If you come to Metro Atlanta, it's, you know, it's an international city, um, international airport, you know, people who are migrated here from all over the world. Um, and then, you know, Clarkston is unique just because I would say it's, we kind of say it's a starter city in a lot of ways, um, because most refugees don't like stay here permanently. Um, there just isn't enough, you know, housing, like home ownership opportunities. You know, so they one, use it as a springboard? It's a springboard. Okay. It's, it's sort of a come in for, you know, the first two to four years, figure out America. You know, it's a small city, so you can literally walk to the post office, the grocery store, the, the, the technical college, the high school, the elementary school, Georgia State University, the coffee shop, city hall. Um, to the two parks, um, you know, in 10 minutes. Right. Um, and so it's a, it's a place to kind of, you know, tiptoe um, into America. Um, and then, you know, maybe uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you're learning how to swim and you give yourself a couple floaties, you know, mm -hmm. and you're in there floating. But you know that at some point, just by the virtue of the American resettlement process, um, that, you know, federal and state aid go away, you know, within a year to two years, you know, completely. And so you're sort of on your own. So they have to learn to swim without the floaties and develop their own. You got to get a job. You got to learn English. Yeah. Um, you got to enroll your kids in schools. Um, you're, you know, you're paying taxes right away. You got to pay back the plane ticket that you came over here on. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a, you know, there's a real sort of, I think, you know, um, a strong, um, you know, sort of resiliency factor of people that come in. Um, but there's also sort of this, you know, uh, agreement that it's not just a complete charity case. Like, we're, you know, you're, you, you're, you're um, being invited to come to America. You've been, you know, what we call highly vetted, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and this is something that's in our, you know, in you know, politics here is that, you know, it's like, oh, we can't, we can't vet refugees. Well, you know, you meet the people that come here. I mean, there are women and children, you know, they're senior citizens. Um, they're people who have been fleeing terrorism and violence. And so I think even, you know, Southerners, um, the ones who I encounter who are concerned about Muslims from Syria coming in and ISIS might infiltrate, I always in invite them to come and, you know, come to Clarkston, come to Refuge Coffee. Right. Um, you know, hang out um, and just, and, and meet people. There's a mosque here in town, right? We have a mosque, we have a, a Buddhist, uh, Bhutanese, uh, Hindu temple. Um, we have a Vietnamese-run Buddhist temple, um, two or Ethiopian Orthodox churches, a Baptist church, a Bible church, a Methodist church. And they all get along, don't they? Oh yeah, everybody's great. Everybody's so great. <laughs> we, we live in a time and day where um, many countries, including the United States, we're talking about the United Kingdom, Bre Brexit is around the corner as we record this episode. Um, we look at Hungary, we look at Poland, we look at Germany, the Netherlands, throughout Europe we're seeing anti-immigrant, anti-migrant, uh, often xenophobia-fed political perspectives. The United States has been scapegoating refugees and immigrants as undesirables. Um, how do you, as, as a local um, politician, as a community leader, how, how do you counter that sentiment? Yeah, without a doubt, there is um, the, the a rise of xenophobism, of nationalism, uh, of hyper, 
of uh, hyper um, you know ethno nationalism, I guess, you know, happening all over the world, um, and, it's, and America's no different. And you know, I think there's a lot of fear of the unknown. Um, you know, the first time that I went to the mosque in Clarkston, you know, seven years ago, I, I was, you know, I was kind of like concerned in, in the sense that I didn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, it was strange, um, but you know, when you when you break through sort of the um, the different customs or the language barriers or things that are kind of foreign, if you will, um, and you sort of just begin to be with people and learn who they are, you find that they're just like you and me. There's no difference. They're human beings. Um, they all want the same things. Um, I, I always I do a presentation a lot to, uh, I go around the churches um, here in Atlanta and Georgia where I give a presentation about Clarkston. And I always bring up my favorite American author, Mark Twain, who said that travel is the, uh, travel is fatal to bigotry, prejudice, and narrow-mindedness. And one cannot develop broad, wholesome views of the world by vegetating in one's own corner for one's mm -hmm. entire life. Mm -hmm. The bumper sticker version is travel is the only cure for ignorance, you know, and so I never, I never try to tell people, you know, oh, just take my, you know, believe what I'm saying. Come to Clarkston to a community that is um, uh, majority non-white, um, that in a lot of ways is a hyper representation of a future America um, where uh, white people are the minority, um, but yet we haven't been wiped out American values and traditions that are sort of core to just who we are as a country haven't been wiped out. In fact, right. you actually see this amazing layering of foods and cultures and musics, uh, languages and traditions, but at the end of the day, we still celebrate the 4th of July and American Independence Day. Um, I, I love it when refugees sing the national anthem and say and the they Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance and say and they the love Constitution America. is still valuable. Yeah, right? they, 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 they see that they, that is a shining example to the rest of the world, this, you know, this inclusion of it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are, but if you have you know, these values of, of liberty um, and justice, um, that you are welcome here. Um, and you know we celebrate Christmas too. So you know Santa Claus comes in on a fire truck, and you know we actually shoot fireworks fireworks off um, in the not in the Fourth of July, but in Christmas, um, mainly because we're a small city with a small budget. And when you buy fireworks on July fifth, it's buy one get two free. <laughs> <laughs> so Santa Claus comes comes in, fireworks blazing, um, and you see this you know this you know hundreds of kids from you know all different parts of the world. Um, Excited to see Santa Claus, right? Um, which is just that's a very you know that's a yeah, and that's that, a Western tradition, and you know it becomes more um, of, a, of, of a cultural event rather than a religious event, right? So exactly, it, it, it becomes a, the glue that yeah. maybe pulls people together. Yeah, and I, 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 li I like that Twain quote because it reminds me, uh, well, Twain as the American, well, almost prototypical literature, literary great. Uh, I would like to counter that with Alexander von Humboldt, German philosopher, who famously said, the most dangerous worldview is that of people who have never viewed the world. So um, kind of <laughs> goes along the same lines. Yeah. Well, it's very ironic, isn't it? I mean, we, we live in the, uh, the digital age, and you'd think that you know, when you have the with access to the compendium of human knowledge and human experience through your iPhone or through the internet, um, that you would, you know, people that people would you know, become more sort of culturally astute or, you know, explore, you know, in a ways, but it almost seems like we've retreated and we've stayed in our silos and only sought out information or validation of what we are to believe. And so at the end of the day, even in the digital world, we still have to challenge people to step outside their door, you know, turn the TV off, you know, put the iPhone away and venture out and actually meet people face to face. And Clarkson's a really good sort of microcosm to do that because you, you know, in a square mile, you literally can go from, walk from our park, which is, you know, a 10 minute walk away, 
um, to the to the college campus or to just the thrift town grocery store um, and you know be able to just you know meet and see people you can't help but run into people that are different from you basically which yeah. you can very much do in other parts of the world or in this country in this city in in the city of Atlanta you can live in your neighborhood and never be challenged with quote unquote the other but here yeah. in Clarkson it's basically unavoidable you will run into people whether you like it or not that are different from you that have a different skin color that maybe speak a different first language so it, it's it's basically a, a different default here in this community so have you ever experienced um, conflict or, or challenges for you in your office or around town where, where cultural differences became well difficult yeah you know I mean I think there's um, there's always going to be sort of these anecdotal stories of, of sort of you know cultural adjustment mm -hmm. um, and you know I mean one sort of very you know small but you know small thing that becomes can become a big thing is if you have you know people from different parts of the world um, who um, weren't from a more modern society and so you know I like to compare sort of the, the two refugee groups that we've been receiving the last several years one from Syria one from Burma you know a lot of refugees in Burma you know didn't live in sort of modern cities they lived in sort of you know the rural parts of, of Burma um, a lot of Syrians grew you know lived in you know modern you know Syria is a modern you know country um, and had you know so the acclimation between people who you know lived in sort of rural more sort of um, you know pastoral sort of settings with people who lived in big cities um, you know sort of translates into you got to like learn how to live in a city basically right. and so as a result we tend to have a couple issues every every year every two years where the sewers get backed up because people flush things down the toilet <laughs> that shouldn't go it or you pour you know hot grease down the the, the drain right okay. and so this is just one of those kind of you know infrastructure things that all cities deal with and Clarkson's not like you know, has necessarily that much more than the others, um, but it does happen every once in a while. We had a sewer spill in our lake because one of the pipes got backed up with fats, oils, and greases. They call them, I can't remember what they call them, they're like fat, fat, fat bergs. You know, it's just this glob of everything. Sounds <laughs> it's, lovely. Uh, um, you know, one thing that was interesting that happened last year is we have, you know, we have a very um, uh, large Somali population, um, and we've been receiving Somalis for, for, for years now. Um, and Somalia, you know, is you know is a, a country that I think is on the mend. It's you know recovering from a civil war. There, you know, ceasefires are happening between, you know, the sort of the, the, the factions. Um, but it's still a little bit divided, you know, you know, uh, politically amongst their provinces and the North Somalia or South Somalia, Somali land. Um, and so we have you know some people here from Somalia, Somali land, who um, asked us to do sort of a proclamation to recognize Somaliland. Um, and we had one of our council members um, uh, introduce this resolution, and you know, when he, he said, "Oh yeah, this is something that this, the, the community wants," and so we're like, "Oh, you know, you know, you're you're a council member from who's from Somalia. We, we're we're going to trust you." And you know, and so we passed this proclamation, and we had like 200 people come to City Hall, and they were so excited that we you know recognized Somaliland. And this is where my you know, where you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that my 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 ignorance, you know. Uh, you know, affected me because I, I was confused about Somaliland and Somalia, not Somalia. I was like, oh, it's just like you're just calling it something different. Mm. You know, Somaliland is a province within mm. Somalia. Um, and so, of course, a week later, the other part of the Somali community says, why are you trying to divide our country? Yeah. <laughs> so they're, so, so they're very State angry. Department called you. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and so we, you know, we had a good, you know, six months of kind of back and forth for trying to, you know, find some sort of, you know, kind of reconciliation between, you know, people okay. from different parts of Somalia. And at the end of the day, we settled on, you know, the city of Clarkston recognizes the unity of the Somali people, um, and everyone was happy out of that. But um, those are things I think, you know, you wouldn't find in, you know, a city that's just... So know, that affects your office, because you, as, as, as a community leader and, and the, the city council or everyone that works in city government, has to become a little more culture savvy with a more diverse population, right? That's right. Yeah. So when we uh, so we're having a, a food forum uh, next Saturday, um, and we are looking at doing a community wide you know food plan, agriculture plan. We're trying to encourage more chickens and beekeeping, and even live animals, and you know turning your front yards into farms, and you know just grow as much food as locally as you can. And so we're having this big food forum to get people to you know give sort of input into this you know, this idea. Um, and we're we're gonna have translators there. Okay. You know, just a, a function of our government is that you know we are you know constantly having to accept that there's several, there's a lot of people here who, you know, quite frankly can't vote, they're not citizens yet, you know, it takes five years before they can apply for citizenship and become naturalized and then register to vote. Right. Um, but we still want people to be engaged in what's happening because they're going to be living here, they're paying taxes even though they're not citizens, and even though they can't vote, they still, you know, have an interest, you know, in the future of the city. Um, and so, yeah, translation, um, childcare, you know, just things that you, um, you know, might see that are a little higher priority in Clarkston because we have a younger population. You know, a lot of young families here, um, and and then yeah, just you know, at least nine major languages are spoken. You know, we if you look at all 35 years of history, you could you could point to about 60 plus languages. Holy um, But you know, sort of the the, the, the number one, the, the nine sort of like you know top ones. Well, what are they? So there's English, guess well. Well, Vietnamese, maybe? We have, we have Vietnamese, um, Somali, um, Amharic, which mm -hmm. is Ethiopian, Eritrean, mm -hmm. uh, French, uh, mm -hmm. so the, from the, the Congolese, yeah. um, Arabic. Um, uh, there's like, like several dialects of Burmese, um, okay. but I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say Burmese and Nepali. Um, is that seven? Um, and then, you know, Pashtun, um, and then, yeah, for. That's quite a, a bit. while. What's what was what's the main language in Serbia? Bosnia? Oh, I guess Serbia, Serbian yeah. or Croat, depending on what ethnicity they're from, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of those refugees actually have moved to Gwinnett, nearby Gwinnett County, mm -hmm. um, but we still have some that live here. So, and yeah. what would you, what would you tell people who are afraid of not not the linguistic divide, but the religious divide? A lot of, a lot of the xenophobia that we've experienced in the last what well at least my lifetime is around religious dividing line, well, that Islam does not fit into a predominantly Christian society or what, whatever the argument might be. So yeah. you have a strong number of Muslim um, community members here in Clarkston, as you do with other religious groups, but uh, is it fair to say that Islam is probably the, the, the biggest one aside from Christianity in, in Clarkston? I would say that more recently, yes, okay. um, because of uh, Iraqi, um, Syrians, Afghani, yeah. Syrian refugees, um, but um, but uh, you know, large Buddhist population as well. Um, and Buddhists and Muslims are not always known to gel well either. If you look at northern Indian Pakistani conflicts, but the, the question being here. Is that something people need to be afraid of? You've lived through it for what you've been a mayor here for what five six years. Is that something that's a reality? Is that fear based on real life experience, or is that just a, a facade? 
Now, all the, all the Muslims that I have encountered and, and are friends with here in Clarkston are some of the most compassionate, you know, kind-hearted people you'll ever meet. Um, in fact, you know, a, a big aspect, I think, of, or, you know, a big, you know, I think, virtue of resettling refugees from the Middle East is that these are people who have had experiences with um, ISIS or you know conflict that has been brought on by extremism within their own religion mm. and you know you hear it all the time you know we, we hate isis you know we hate the, these these gangsters i mean to them they're criminals you right. know they call themselves you know islamists um or you know fanatics um but they're you know they're criminals they're gangs um and that's how they view them um just like how we would view uh, you know, the KKK uh, or, you know, uh, a, another white supremacist, you know, group. I mean, we see them as just sort of this, this outlier. They're claiming to be Christian or claiming to be, you know, Muslims, but, you know, they're, you know, they're criminals. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, with this, uh, we have a, the, the mosque in Clarkston has been there for, you know, 25 plus years and they've, they, just in the last several years, they've put together a good a building fund, and they've raised about $4 million, and they're about three-fourths away building a, an actual mosque with a cupola and a, and a minaret. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's an amazing facility. And, you know, to them, it's like, you know, we're building this for the community of Clarkston. It's not about, you know, only serving Muslims. It's not about being, it's not going to be a madras. It's going to be a place where people... Um, of all faiths and all communities can come and have events, can do after-school programs, um, and so it's just, it's kind of like this. Uh, it's an interesting perspective that they have mm. is that it's they're not trying to you know build a wall around their community. They're trying to create sort of you know open spaces that you know um, recognize that their their religious beliefs um, are part of the larger you know um, the larger community. And that all religions are accepted. That's the uh, hallmark of you know the uh, the, Amer the American Constitution <laughs> in America. <laughs> so, would you agree if I said that Clarkston may or may not be the most diverse square mile in the U.S., but rather the most inclusive square mile of the U.S.? Yeah, I'd be happy to have that title. All right. <laughs> I, cer I certainly feel it myself. Um, I think all, all everyone is welcome here. Um, and, you know, as long as you, you know, follow the law and, you know, abide by the, the, the tenets of our, our Constitution and, and um, you know, equal rights, um, you know, no matter what you speak or, you know, what, what words you use to, you know, speak to God um, or how you dress, um, you know, all are welcome. Thank you for making it sound and not only sound so simple, but be so simple. So I think for everyone out there listening to this and questioning if this is some left-wing woo-woo stuff, um, this is not a political position. This is a humanitarian position. And I think if you look at the city of Clarkson as one of the examples how the American dream works in many shapes and colors and and belief systems and behavioral preferences, then that might be a great story to learn from. Mayor Ted, thank you very much for taking time for the Culture Guy podcast. This was awesome. Yeah, I wish welcome. you all the best in, in your work as a mayor here and, and, and bringing this community to the next level. Um, you're doing great work. Appreciate you taking time for us. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Ted Terry. 
So if you're interested in Queer Eye and how all this came about, check it out on Netflix. I hope you live in a country where you can get it and uh, and you're in a territory that is open to to uh, broadcast that. I think it was in season two. I have to double check. You'll see a link to the episode in the show notes on our website, theculturemastery.com. And if you like the program, the season three will begin to air this month, March of 2019 in the United States. I'm not sure about the other territories that Netflix um, provides this show to its, its uh, subscribers. But if you have a chance, go check it out. Uh, especially the episode with Mayor Ted. Again, the uh, theculturemastery.com is the website where you find the show notes to the Culture Guide podcast. Obviously, you can find our podcast on all the other streaming platforms out there. Um, check us out on social media. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, on Facebook, and most importantly, I'm on LinkedIn. Search for Christian Hufele, search for The Culture Guy, search for The Culture Mastery. All of these will eventually get you there. Or just follow the links in the show notes. All right, then. This is it for this time, The Culture Guy podcast with the most diverse community mayor in the United States, Ted Terry. yet please do send us comments um, do leave the comments on social media on the website email me inbox me direct message me whatever you prefer whatever channel of communication you would like to do let us know what you think about this program let us know what works what doesn't work let us know if you have a guest that you would like to suggest for the program maybe it's yourself if you have a great story to tell about crossing cultures or working with other cultures I'd love to hear it, and I'm sure the audience will too. So reach out to me. And before I forget it, there's one more thing before I let you go. Check out LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter on my YouTube. I've started a new video series. It's called The Culture Moment. Just three minutes of cross-cultural insight. Just a nugget of information that, I'm like, that I'd like to share with you. You'll find it on LinkedIn. You'll find it on Facebook, on my pages, on the Culture Guy page. You'll also find it on the Culture Mastery page. And you'll find it on my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com, Christian Hoefele. You'll find all the links in the show notes. So check that out. And this time, I'm really out. Talk to you next time.